doubt. Uh, you know, the negative plays on offense were through the roof and, and really killed those drives, and they were able to get in some of those coverages for too high and keep things in front of them. And it doesn't matter who's in the game. you, you got to be able to execute those plays um, over and over and over and not have those type of errors. And, and that's something we have to address this week and get it cleaned up really quickly. That is Cliff Kingsbury with more on his to-do list, cleaning up the negative plays. Sat down with Wolf and Luke yesterday for his weekly interview. Yeah. Uh, the negative plays in, in a lot of different areas pop up, whether you know negative plays, to me, it's not just the plays that you know mm-hmm. lose yardage. It's the plays where you're getting penalties, where you're having those mental errors. Eight pre-snap penalties put the Cardinals behind the sticks, off yeah. schedule, whatever phrase you want to use time and time again. But the negative plays um, that, that you know aren't slowed down, by a penalty that do come to fruition that just use lose yardage. Cliff Kingsbury's right. They are through the roof. Well, then don't throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. How about that? That is exactly why I spent some time yesterday looking at Kyler Murray's uh-huh. throws this year. And this was not always a staple. I, I know how frustrated Cardinals fans are, and they have been for a long time. We've been talking about it on this show for two years. The horizontal nature of the Arizona Cardinals offense. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray in his first two years as a rookie in 2019 and a second-year player in 2020, he threw the ball a lot. Did not have one completion in those two years that went for negative yards. In the last two years, yep. 16 of those. Eight this year. Eight all of last year. How many games do they have left? Eight? Yeah. <laughs> He's on pace for 16 negative throws just this year. And I looked up just for reference sake. You know, the the Chiefs always don't throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're kind of a dink and dunk team, too. They rely on playmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had two completed passes for negative yards this okay, year. Okay, so so I, I think there's a lot into this stew here that we're talking about. And, and I think, number one, you talk about the undisciplined nature of this Cardinals team in general. Eight pre-snap penalties. One, um, at least two of them were on the defense for encroachment. Maybe three of them. Um, so it was both sides of the ball, but that's indicative of the lack of discipline in this entire program. And by that, I mean the lack of fear that if I jump off sides enough times, I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to get screamed at. Um, I don't know if you read that story recently about what Bill Belichick used to do and probably still does. He begins every week of practice with like, so with like a, a highlight, a highlight reel of blunders. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it, it, it incentivizes everybody on that team to not show up in that presentation. Remember how B.A. did it. Yeah. Yeah, the accountability, the accountability board. board. Yeah, so there's got to be something like, and this head coach doesn't do any of that. And and so not that I, we know of. Well, not that we know of, but but the results are are what they are. 2019, the Cardinals ranked fifth in the NFL in penalties. 2020, they were first in the NFL in penalties. 2021, they were fifth. This year, they're third. They've been a top five team in penalties all four years under Cliff Kingsbury. They've been a top three. Two of the four years. Meaning bottom three. That's what I mean. Bottom five. Bottom, yeah. Right. Penalties again. The most against. is not yeah. good on that, no, on that chart. No, this is a You don't want to be on this list that I'm talking about. So if so if you're that undisciplined that, you, that you're getting thrown off schedule, then you would think you need more of a downfield approach more than ever before. 
And so it's and, – and there were any number of plays yesterday that there was uh, – people remarked there was time uh, time when the Cardinals – Kyler Murray had put together back-to-back plays with his legs and the, the momentum seemed to be crackling a little bit and they threw that little backward screen that got blown up. Mm-hmm. I, Every it seems like almost every wide receiver screen this year has been blown up. Blown up, sir. <laughs> where's your Where's your Sergeant General, son? Blown, blown up, up, sir. sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do Sergeant uh, uh, Hulk uncle, impressions uncle, on this uncle, show. You uncle, got a problem uncle? with it? <laughs> so yeah, let's yeah, no, no doubt. So um, so the, so all there's just issues. Everywhere, and that's why it was just so weird to be. Uh, Bernsey made up a real good point. I, I heard him on with with Wolf and Luke yesterday, and he was like, you know, going into this interview with Cliff Kingsbury. I hope he comes out in and offers up a change in play calling, just for the sake of change, whether you think it's a great idea or not. For the sake of change, to change the dynamics, to change the voice, to change the anything, and he, he's for a guy that was willing to, to to give it up going into that Thursday night game, that's no longer the case. I, I see. I'm I'm of the opinion, Bick, that that was that was lip service. That was the answer to a question. I don't think that's ever been discussed internally. I don't think it's something that Cliff Kingsbury has given any thought to. Because look at the alternative. Yeah, Let's say they right. went down that road. Yeah, that's all good right. Point. We're, we're desperate to win a football game. This offense is struggling. We can't. We can't push the ball down the field. We need some fresh eyes. Here's Spencer Whipple again. Here's my play sheet. And then the offense does well. Then Cliff Kingsbury is facing the office. The, the office space approach. When when the analysts come in and say, "All right, this offense is moving under Spencer Spencer Whipple." Mm-hmm. What is it that you say that you do here, Cliff? Uh huh. Because we know operationally they're a mess. Uh-huh. So if the offense is working without him, what does he do? Well, that's a very good point. If he hands off the play sheet, he's handing off his employment. That's a good point. Yeah, but but at the same time, you would think that as steward of the Arizona Cardinals, you'd be more concerned about the team winning games, and you could and you could find it, and you could and you could find your uh, something for you to make yourself useful. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean that uh, that that's all well and good, Vinny. A, a, and again, we're he's, gonna, a, he's a steward of Cliff Kingsbury. Let's right. be honest; well, and he's not unique there. No, of course not. Of course not. Look at college coaches. Oh, yeah. At their introductory press conference, all of a sudden they know all the ins and outs of the, the program's history that they're taking <laughs> yeah, over. I know. And in some cases, they'll adapt a, a regional accent to uh-huh. help them uh, oh, yeah. in the transition. Oh, Todd Graham made himself very familiar with Pat Tillman. Yes. Very oh, familiar man. with Pat he, Tillman. That plane ride, man, he did some he did some cramming. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Cliff's Notes on, on Pat Tillman's career at ASU. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cliff Kingsbury did address uh, the Robbie Anderson thing. You brought up the screen pass like a blown up. Robbie Anderson in three weeks has one catch for minus four yards. That screen pass got blown up. Here was Cliff Kingsbury at his press conference yesterday on the Anderson acclamation continuing. It's expected in season. Like I said, there's not a lot of time for um, teaching when you're installing, trying to win games. And so uh, he's done a good job. He's been um, on it, studying hard. It's just one thing to study and know it. And then you want a game and it's full speed and execute at a high level. And so we'll keep feeding him um, reps and, and hopefully he gets comfortable here pretty, pretty quickly. Put that one on your bingo card too executed a high level uh-huh. um if, if 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 it's expected that there's going to be struggles and you're trying to win games and execute at a high level and he's obviously struggling why the hell do you put a guy out there for 50 plus snaps 
And then why because do you, you have nobody else? And then why do you say the next day that that oh he's he's come along great? It's come along great. Yeah, it, it's. But again, though, why is it expected? That he's been here three games now. There's we've seen throughout the league. Teams trade for a player, and that week they perform in the that's game. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. It, Christian it McCaffrey had touchdowns three different ways in yeah, his second game. I think TJ Hawkinson caught nine passes in his first yes. game. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, but again, it, it, it then it gets back. To, then it gets down once again to what are you doing as a head coach? Are you game planning against a defense, and are you highlighting your best players, or are you creating this ubiquitous system that everyone has to learn that really isn't suited for the NFL in the first place? That's the, uh, that's yeah. the high level question. Yeah, that oh, is the high level question. Can they execute at a high level? Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. <laughs> yeah. Am I extra snarky today? No, I do. I, no, I appreciate snarky it. Snarky pills Snark's or something. Good. More Snark's on the Cardinals good. next. It's Pickley and Murata. Mornings on this Tuesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Murata. Pickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I mean, when the, when the offense is going fast and stuff like that, yeah, it feels sometimes like we're wearing down. But it's not so much wear down. It's just like you know, you gotta break up their rhythm. You know, it's just they're on a roll. You gotta stop them. You gotta break it up. You gotta figure out something, and uh, you know, make them change their way of what they're doing because they're getting us somehow. And you know, on the field, on the fly, I'm trying. You know, I can't see what I'm seeing. I can't. You know, go back to the to the line or to the coaches and tell them that because, you know, they're on the sideline. We had to burn a timeout. We're down into four minutes. It's like a whole, you know, it turns into a whole fiasco. So it's uh, it's something that, um, yeah, when they get on a roll like that, you just got to figure it out as defense. As, you know, like, hey, we got to stop them right now. Don't care what we're in, what we're calling. We got to do it. We got to figure it out. Zayvon Collins yesterday, um, and, and that was one of the big uh, – Points from from Sunday's game about the defense. You know, after the Zaven Collins pick six that gave the the Cardinals a fourteen to ten lead over the Seahawks pick, they're right back out on the field. Seahawks responded with three straight touchdown drives the rest of the game to ice that game, and they couldn't. You heard Zaven Collins say it. You have to figure out a way to make a play to stop them to get them off the field. The exact opposite was true. Not only did they score on mm-hmm. three consecutive drives on those first two drives that led to touchdowns, they converted seven straight third down. So, was fatigue a part of it? Yeah. Maybe. It was acknowledged by Cliff Kingsbury. It was acknowledged by Zayvon Collins. But again, does, does that go back to the whole the whole practice thing? The time of possession, the number of plays differential. I think there was nine a, a nine-play differential in offensive plays for these two teams, mm-hmm. which led to nine minutes. I think plays is actually more an accurate you know, description of how much uh, you're asking your defense to do. A nine-play differential is not that bad. You know, does this go back to conditioning, practice habits, all of those things on the defense? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a little more complicated than that. I, I, I think that when a defense gets thrown out there repeatedly in a short period of time, it can show up later. And and even if the, the numbers kind of narrow True. and the time of possession maybe narrows a little bit, that that that. A chunk of the game where your defense was really doing all the heavy lifting that takes its toll. Just in watching the game and not seeing any of the numbers, that's that's what it looked like was happening to me. It looked like a defense that was very very good and very spirited. Uh-huh. 
uh, it just couldn't hold up, and it's it's really not surprising. But I, that's uh, that's what I think happened to him. Yep, here was uh, Cliff Kingsbury on that subject. I thought they just got worn worn down. Really, you know, we had five three and outs on offense, and then when you have that uh, quick turnaround with the the touchdown by Zayvon, they're right back out there again. And um, Seattle's done a great job running the ball late, finishing games, and, and they you got to give them credit. But I just thought defensively we, we were on the field too much there against a really good rushing attack, and it just caught up to us. At the end. So I can really picture some fans now listening to all of all of this and, and hearing that soundbite from Cliff saying, all right, you had five three and outs on offense leading your defense to be on the field more than they need to with short turnarounds. They worn down. It looked evident at the end of the game. Why wouldn't you give up your play calling duties at that point? But no. <laughs> yeah, it's no, this this it, weird circular logic, without a doubt, without a doubt. I I think one of the things that I wanted to do, and I had a hard time trying to get to the bottom of this yesterday, but I but I'm going to try to make another effort today, is to see exactly what was going on with DeAndre Hopkins in the second half of that game, because there's obviously a theory that once he and Kyler had it out on the sideline, that maybe he was being frozen out. That'd be a real dumb thing for a quarterback to do. I I I would really think that would be. Do you really stop throwing the ball to your best wide receiver because you're mad at him? I mean, normally, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, do right. I think I, that happened? I, well, I mean, and, I and again, it's, it, uh, let's. But I also think that there's a level of expectation because DeAndre Hopkins had so many targets and so many catches in his first two games back. Didn't mean that doesn't mean that he's going to get that wide open against every team in the NFL. Um, the the first team he played was a depleted Saints defense that was about as thin as any defense I've ever seen. Uh-huh. So so there was that. Then then his game against Minnesota was more of the same and included one incredible catch for a touchdown in which he was covered pretty well. Yep, and he still made the catch. So there's a chance that he might have just been bracketed very very well and maybe he wasn't that open. Um, I, I'm curious to see what that looks like because. Because if there's any hope for this football team to win a game on the road, it's it's really going to start with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I mean, it's those are the two guys that that have to get it done. James Conner. I mean, it's it's they spent a lot of money for James Conner. Yes, they gave him premium money. They did at a at a at a position where premium money still mm-hmm. a lot of people, including myself, think that's a foolish uh, well, a, it's, a foolish endeavor. It's kind of playing out that way. Yes. And so it, it's uh, again it, the idea that this thing can get better. You've you've got to you've got to be drinking an awful lot of Kool Aid to yeah. be to be believing that. Going back to the Hopkins situation, Kyler Murray was asked about that. You know, the second half, Kyle, or, uh, excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins did not get targeted in the final twenty nine minutes of that game. Uh, had the touchdown early. There was the the sideline interaction between the two of them about a miscommunication that even afterwards. The participants in that interaction took different tacts. Kyler Murray's like, I'm not going to elaborate on it. It was miscommunication. And DeAndre Hopkins said, I love that. I love that mm-hmm. fire. I mean, that's a veteran uh, as opposed to a younger guy. But Murray was asked, hey, did uh, the Seahawks change what they were doing against DeAndre Hopkins uh, after that first half? No, no, they, they did what they did, uh, what they've been doing all season. Uh, too high, you know, 6'3" make you, you know, methodically move it downfield, and that's what it was. So you couldn't move it downfield with, with DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> By the way, Again. and Kyler Murray's telling the truth, and we've talked to a lot of analysts about it, this this defensive trend sweeping the nation with two high safeties, keep everything in front of you, bend, mm-hmm. don't break. Mm-hmm. It is awful 
for the viewing experience. Yeah, well, it's 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 yeah, it is. And so what you've got to do as an offense is you've got to find teams. You've got to get teams out of out of that soft shell that they're in. You've got to. And how do you do it? Run the football. Run the football. You got to. And it's again, and and I think we're going to see one of the things that I couldn't get out of my head yesterday was okay. He, he, a head coach without a plan and a head coach without answers and a head coach who is uh, lather, rinse, repeat. He's gonna he's gonna lose he's gonna lose belief in the locker room. But what what Kyle Vandenbosch said about the refusal of Kyler Murray to fight for a yard when the circumstance Oof. asks for it, the 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 inability to stay on his feet, the, the looking for a quick landing as soon as he gets touched by a defensive player, that stuff can't help either. Because if you're a teammate and you're looking and you're going, come on, man, we're supposed to be balling out here. Are you going to give your all if you see your quarterback do that? So, I, again, that's that's why this whole idea of belief and what's left in this team is so fascinating to me going forward. Because I don't know how much there is. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's little things like that in, in game situations. Go back to the Vegas game. I mean, the two-point conversion that Kyler Murray converted after scrambling around for 21 seconds. It was one of the highlights of the year, certainly the highlight of the year for the Cardinals. But if he didn't have the speed or the angle to get to where he was going, and he had to lower a shoulder or dive or do something physical to get that yardage, would he have done it? We haven't seen too many examples of that. And when you don't do that as a quarterback, go back to the Carolina-Denver Super Bowl when Cam Newton oh, yeah. didn't... Uh, didn't exactly bust it to get a, 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 mm-hmm. a fumble there in a crucial game situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That franchise never recovered from that. Well, because it was just a play that was just so counterintuitive of what you have to do as a leader of a football team. Mm-hmm. And that is and that is you need to set the tone, the urgency, all that. You've got to do that all yourself. A lot of stuff in the air. I, and, and I don't know how they're going to get all this fixed up against a, a Rams team that's taking the exact opposite approach. And by all intents and purposes, if the Cardinals lose this week, the season is pretty much over. Yeah. At that point, it will truly be fascinating to see how much the wheels totally come off. I agree with you in that assessment, Jarrett, but I am also of the belief that this this season's already Yeah, I, I think I think it pretty much is. I, I don't think there's any coming back from this, but I do think that if 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 you do lose uh, another game, then I then I think everybody's going to embrace that idea. Right. Yeah, and you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, lots to get into in terms of the big stories of the day, and Sarah will take us through them all in the Rush Hour Reboot. Spickly and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every single day at 730, we go through the biggest stories of the day in Valley Sports and beyond. But, man, Valley Sports has got us covered plenty today. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hello, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> Wait, what? Hey. With Vince Murata. That's dumb, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> oh, that's our entire show. <laughs> and Jared Carlin. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. Who was that? Jim Mercy. Jim Mercy. Oh, was that from earlier? I yeah. almost, all I I almost I picked was, that one. All I heard was Jared talking about sausage and... 
pasta in mm-hmm. college. Oh, uh, man, I could go for a big plate of that right now. I bet you could. All right, welcome. Just wait until the commercial reboot. break. I'm sure there's uh, some in the fridge for you, Jared. <laughs> I got whitefish salad today. Oh, God. Oh, man. No. Whitefish salad. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Let's start with the Phoenix Suns. They scored a season low 88 last night in their loss to the 76ers on the road, 100 to 88, the final score. Now, the Suns were 6 of 19 from 3. That is a season low for 3-point attempts and 3-point makes. They didn't get to the free throw line as much as Philly did. And uh, George Niang, everybody, he hit 7 3-pointers off of the bench for the Sixers. Suns coach Monty Williams said after the game, this team just didn't have energy. I just felt like we were playing slower tonight for whatever reason. Those, those games happen. We just can't allow for that to happen again from an energy standpoint. We only score 88 points. I mean, that's, you know, the way we play with pace. And, and, and we had 15 turnovers for 19 points. So playing slow, turning it over, and we put them on the free throw line a ton. And uh, that slowed the game down even more. Anyone get any of that? <laughs> they played slow. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, bad, bad sound quality. Thank you yeah. to the person who did send us that sound, Dwayne Rankin. Sorry about that quality, though. Chris Paul left the game uh, with a heel injury. DeAndre Ayton temporarily left the game with a tweaked ankle. And then Cam Johnson, as I just mentioned in my update, he's out for one to two months with a meniscus tear. Uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN reported the timeline mm-hmm. about... 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, along with the news that Cam Johnson underwent his surgery today. So, how did you guys feel about the Suns' depth watching last night's game? Concerned. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff they have to overcome at the moment. Uh, the Jay Crowder deal, the Cam Johnson injury, now this Chris Paul heel situation. Um, yeah, I, I think that that the bench was in a nice little place for a while, but now there's going to be additional stress. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of feeling the same thing Bick does. And, and when you just look at the Chris Paul situation, leaving, you know, campaign came back after missing a few games. That was his first game back last night. He's very important to what the bench does. And it's important that he plays well. But if he's thrust into a starting role, I mean, who's your backup point guard? You go in Devin Booker? I guess so. You go in Landry Shamit? I mean, neither one of those options is ideal. You know, go back to last year. You had at least Alfred Payton or Aaron Holiday to choose from. They don't even have those options right now. Uh, with with Cam Johnson out, if you're not getting offense from the four from Torrey Craig or, or Dario Sharich moving forward, what do you do? I mean, that puts so much more onus on DeAndre Ayton and so much more onus on Mikel Bridges, where I think those two guys thrive offensively when there's less pressure on them. So yeah, I mean, it's going to. There's going to be games where the bench looks great, and there's going to be games where you're like, uh oh, they're they're really they're a lot of flaws in the structure of this roster and last night was yeah. one of those games that pointed out the flaws. So on that note Devin Booker had 28 last night he's averaging 27.1 points per game but as far as a consistent second scorer have you guys seen the players around him elevate the way you would like them to given that the Suns didn't make any splashy moves in the offseason? Um, at times consistently no. 
I think there's Mikel Bridges has looked like a different offensive player, mm-hmm. but it kind of wanes a little bit. He'll mm-hmm. go through a half where he doesn't do much, and then he'll become aggressive. I, yeah, I, I, consistent I, I, is, yeah. The, he, is the key. He word and here. DeAndre Ayton, especially with Cam Johnson out, are the guys that need to be consistent fifteen point a night scorers at least. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think last night was a step back for Da. You you can't be who he is or who who they want him to be and give him fourteen and seven against Joel Embiid. Right, it's just not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the Arizona Cardinals back in mid October, the day after the Cardinals uh, lost to the Seahawks the first time around this season, and fans were really starting to panic ahead of that Thursday night football game. Reporters asked Cliff Kingsbury if he would ever consider giving up play calling duties. In the moment, he was like, "Oh yeah, whatever helps the team win." Yesterday, on with Wolf and Luke, uh, the day after the Cardinals' second loss of the year to Seattle, Kingsbury was asked again about that, and he was like, "Oh, uh, no." I am not. No, I, I I like where we're heading. I know uh, yesterday we had some, um, you know, some of those errors that we can't have, but I think uh, with some of these pieces back, I think we have a chance to to make a little run. Do the kids still say psych? <laughs> JK, what, what what would be the appropriate lingo what here would in this situation? The, what, what would be the modern day translation of psych? And what pieces are coming back? Right. So yeah. <laughs> my question is, like eventually, yeah, they're going to play again eventually. But is he talking about Hollywood Brown? He's not back, at least for he's going to be a while. He's, he's coming game. back, period. Yeah, his comment was that, like, you know, we're wait and see is not yeah. no update. I don't know. Rodney <laughs> Hudson? Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah. He's explosive. Yeah, for, for sure, absolutely. Okay, so in that cut, he said, I like where we're headed. I like where we're going. We're midway through the season now. Where are the Cardinals headed? What should we expect in the second half of the season? Um... I don't have any expectations, quite honestly, right now. And a lot of this, a lot of people commented on this. If the season were to end today, the Cardinals would have the seventh overall draft pick. Yeah, I would say the Cardinals are headed to a top 10 draft pick, and Cliff Kingsbury is going to have five years of paid vacation in front of them. I feel confident in the first part. <laughs> Does of that, that sound good to you? <laughs> I feel confident in the first part. Don't yeah. make me yeah. go back there. Oh, this is the bad. Fire place. up the mock draft machine, Murata. Oh, oh boy. No. All right, let's finally uh, get to our last question. Buda Baker, who uh, Cliff Kingsbury did not mention in his media availability yesterday. We had to wait until about four forty-five and a report from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Uh, Buda Baker reportedly has a high ankle sprain and could be out anywhere from two to three weeks. Um, which injury do you think is more significant to their respective teams and where they are in their current seasons? Buda Baker for the Cardinals or Cam Johnson for the Suns? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to go with Cam Johnson and the Suns because of the length of the timetable for a return. All due respect to Buda Baker, who I think this year has solidified his spot as my favorite player on the team uh, and kind of the heart and soul of this team. They weren't winning when he was on the field either, so there's that. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I think I think Buda Baker. I think he's he's further along, and I think that it, in the dynamic of football and what what a defense needs in terms of intensity and 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 sacrifice and and willingness to put your face in the fan, I I, I think Buddha's very very important. Also, remember, was it last year that he missed a game and and everything just went to crap on the defense? Twenty twenty, I think. Or was, was it two years ago? Twenty twenty. Yeah. Scary hit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, thank you, West Phoenix. Of course, the kids say cap these days. I forgot about that. Cap? Yeah, when they say that you're lying or like psych, it's it's cap. Cap. Or no cap. Or no cap. Uh, yeah, I'm not lying. No were. cap. I, I feel As like I'm were. just a little too old to be using cap in a serious manner. What does that mean? Cap, if someone says that's no. cap, it means you're lying. I know, but why does it mean that? I don't know. I have wrinkles on my forehead. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but Sarah, you got drip. Oh! You got drip, no cap. <laughs> well done. Well played. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Oh, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30 when we go through the big stories of the day. Coming up next, one of the big storylines of the NFL this year has been two of the all-time great quarterbacks struggling. Well, one of them found a way to win on Sunday. The other, not so much. We'll get into that and more NFL talk next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Do you at all regret not retiring? I mean, just third times outside looking in where you look almost miserable on the field sometimes. I think that's an exaggeration, Pete. Um, frustration and miserability are two different emotions. So um, when I decided to come back, it was all in, and and I don't make decisions. And then, you know, hindsight, 2020, you know, have regrets about uh, big decisions like that. So I was all in, and this is uh, a lot of life lessons for sure this year. But luckily, it's not over. There's still a lot of games left. We'll be counted out, probably by many, and we'll see how we respond. Yep, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers asked, "You look, you look miserable out there, Aaron." Miserability yeah. is that's that a word he coined. Miserability. Yeah. Ooh, it's a great name for an album. Yeah, did his own dictionary research is. on that one. <laughs> and one of those life lessons is. Don't drink ayahuasca before facing the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Three picks in that game for Aaron Rodgers, which you might say, oh, big deal. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers hadn't had a three-pick game since 2017 and has only had five in his entire career. Yeah. He has more interceptions this year than he's had in any other season since 2016. Yeah. The Packers flat-out stink. All of the fears of, wow, they don't have enough weapons for Aaron Rodgers are coming to fruition, but Aaron Rodgers is no longer a weapon that is making those guys better. It's funny because you know you know my contempt for Tom Brady, yet I like Aaron Rodgers a hundred times less. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say more. No. Wow. I, I, no, and, and it's because, okay, so Aaron Rodgers, this is, uh, this is how bad his rabbit ears are, okay? So Aaron Rodgers, there's a couple guys in the national media who have pointed to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and said, this is what happens when you get a guy who's half retired, who's one foot in, one foot out, who goes on these self-empowerment journeys, who starts spending time away from the team, who blows off all the OTAs. You, you roll in. 
And this is exactly the kind of season that it looks like. Uh-huh. Okay, so I heard that from a couple different people, and I thought that's interesting. Sure enough, after that Lions loss, Aaron Rodgers just curiously—I'm sure it was coincidence—went into this whole soliloquy about how when I came back, I was all in, and I'm always all in. Once I come back, and I'm like, that is all a function of his rabbit ears hearing that criticism. So my point is this. Um, At least I've got a level of respect for Tom Brady because at the end of that game against the Rams, they're losing 13 to 9. It's another just train wreck of a performance from Tampa's offense. He goes on the field and he says, I'm not going to let this happen. And he got the Bucks down the field and he threw a touchdown pass and Tom Brady had himself a moment. Yes. And and I respect that. I respect that he was able to summon that greatness, that end game stuff that he does better than any quarterback who has ever lived and he delivered his football team. Aaron Rodgers isn't delivering anything. Not this year. He, yeah, he threw a uh, he got got on the goal line by Aiden Oof. Hutchinson. Some of the some of the optics of the passes he yeah. was throwing was like, is that is that just somebody wearing a twelve jersey? It doesn't even look like the same guy. And now it's led to, as I look up at the video screen of Get Up that's on in the studio here, should Packers begin to think about starting Jordan Love at quarterback? That's starting to pick up some steam, including from another ESPN personality, Mina Kimes. You know, in a world where like. The football team was doing exactly what's best for the long-term future of the team. You probably should see Jordan Love, not just because of Rodgers' play, but because you know when it becomes um, increasingly obvious that they're not competing for a playoff spot, the fact that they did draft this player at such a high position and we haven't really gotten a good look at him, it would be in the interest of team building for the Packers to actually develop him and see what they have in him. But Candidly, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if that happened, given how much money that they're paying Rodgers, and I think the un- just the low likelihood that they'd be willing to move on in any capacity, or frankly that they would be able to find a team willing to trade if that was something they would consider. Which I don't. I, I'd be surprised if that happens as well. So it does feel like the Packers are kind of in a no-win situation when it comes to the quarterback position. Do you get kind of the feel now, Bick, that looking forward with the way things are going in Tampa and Green Bay? The NFL might be Rogerless and Bradyless next year. No, you I don't do not feel that feel way. That I, no, no, no. Do you no. feel that way for either one of them? Uh, no, wow. I do not. I do not. I think that uh, I think the more interesting thing with Tom Brady is in his in his podcast with Jim Jim Gray. Hey Tom. Hey Tom. Uh, he Tom Brady made the stunning admission, stunning admission that he watches every Patriots uh, which, game. It, it wasn't as stunning as, to it, the... as it looked on paper, okay. but All right. here, here's that cut from the Let's Go podcast. Is that voice always going to be in your head? Yeah, we had 20 years together of elite football experience that I wouldn't have traded for anything in the world, and I know he's a great competitor, what an amazing coach he is and how he prepares the team to win and he's just done it year in and year out and the fact that he's 22 wins away from an, an amazing milestone I have no doubt he's going to get it and I just watch that team every week and impressed by how they prepare and and the accountability that that organization has had and uh, it always starts at the top. Is that 
lessen the impact a little bit, a little yeah, bit, a little bit yeah. but, but also uh, but see Tom Brady when he left New England he wouldn't pay them he 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 wouldn't even pay them that kind of mind he wouldn't even go there so the fact that he's going there uh, clearly he wants to continue playing football and it just seems to me that it's not so much a, a, a Tom Brady desire to go back to New England but I think it would be a Tom Brady and a Robert Kraft thing they're like father and son and, and I think that that Robert Kraft does not want Tom Brady to end his end his career like this in another jersey, particularly what's gone down in his personal life. That's, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I just I just think he is going to go back to New England and they're going to run it back one time, maybe two, and then they're going to call it good. Do you think New England would let the I mean, I, New England again is getting their stuff I together? Know, I know they're in the playoff mix in the AFC. Do you think they disturb that Mac Jones? He looks terrible though lately. Yeah, he, I mean they're winning he, games. That's the, the only reason I think Bill Belichick would allow it is he doesn't have a better quarterback. And this Bailey Zappy, Bailey Zappy. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, Mac Jones is just Mac Jones. He's just Mac Davis. Is all he is. That's all he is. I'm going back to your comment on Brady and Kraft being kind of like a father and son, which is weird now because I think Brady would actually be older than his new stepmom. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I think you're right about. I think it. you're right. It'd be close. <laughs> it would definitely be close. <laughs> and that's always a weird dynamic. That's the third. Less, least weird joke you could have made about that. That's true. <laughs> those two guys. Those two guys. Some other areas that I didn't feel comfortable going into that territory. Go, there, yeah. uh, we were thinking alike there, Jarrett. Coming up next, Bix got your blast to kick off Fire. the second half of the Tuesday show. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.